everybody. Hi there. Welcome back to Planet and God. We are continuing our gospel reading challenge through the new year. We are in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. So let's get into it. All right, so how do you want to start? <laughs> well, so chapter 10 picks up where chapter 9 left off, right? Chapter 9, you had Jesus saying that the laborers are few. Pray for the Lord to send the laborers out into the harvest. And now we see chapter 10, uh, specifically verses 1 through 4, Jesus sending out the disciples. And he gives them, really this whole chapter is the instructions. He's instructing them and preparing them to be sent out. This, this entire chapter is for the 12 and their training into going out and into the world. Now we can take a lot of what Jesus says to the disciples and see them as promises to us today, but he's not talking to the church at large here. He's talking to the 12 specifically. Yeah. I think it's also important to note that um, he does mention Judas in his list of disciples, but um, obviously we know that Judas betrays Jesus and that, you know, his heart wasn't in the work he was doing. No, but that's a good warning for us, even today, uh, you know, to check our hearts when we go and do our work for the Lord. Right. Right. Are we doing it for the rewards, the possible rewards, which is very likely where Judas was at? Right. Right. He wanted to be part of the kingdom. Jesus was supposed to bring in the kingdom, but no, he's going to die on a cross instead. And therefore, he once he starts realizing that, is when he really kind of changes his tune and he betrays Jesus. Right. Which I will get into, you know, later in the book. Yes. But, <laughs> but I just think, like, you can see that, you know, he's still within the disciples right now. And, right. Um, and that we know he betrays him later. But just to go and show you that, like, you can do the work of the Lord and still not have a heart for yep. that. Good motivation checker. It is, definitely. And then verses 5 through 15, the initial set of instructions for the 12 apostles. Um, Jesus here, he's, you notice how he prioritizes the house of Israel. So yes, I noted that as well. So we see that Jesus is yep. saying, you know, go to Israel first. Um, well, I asked my, I mean, the question I asked myself, well, Why? Um, and that yep. brought me back to Zechariah 2.8. Zechariah 2.8 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Well, Israel is the apple of his eye. Yeah. Right? And obviously, the order of operations, Israel's first. Right. Israel's first. <laughs> Not that they're first in his heart, but they're just, they were first. Right. <laughs> but they're first in the sense that they haven't rejected Jesus yet. If you notice the the message that they are to proclaim, um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the same message that John was proclaiming. I know, I was going to say that too. Yep. I, I noted that as same, well. John the Baptist you know, was told Jesus to give the starts, same message. Right. Yep. Same message that Jesus starts with. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. <clears throat> the disciples are now going out and preaching the same gospel. Good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is not the gospel of salvation. This is the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. The Jews, 
the Jewish leadership still has an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah and usher in the Messianic we kingdom. We also know that he went to Israel first, and now, you know, he's not after he, he after gets rejected, rejected, he goes to the Gentiles, but we should also note that he does come back to Israel. That's what the yes. tribulation is for. It is to, you know... Yeah, the purpose of the tribulation is to get Israel to turn their hearts back to Right, so Jesus he doesn't forget Israel. He doesn't say, oh, forget you, and no. then just comes to us and that's it. No, he the, is going to come back for right. Israel also. Right. Um, what happens, we'll get to it in chapter 12, essentially, is the kingdom program just gets set aside for that generation. Yeah, there's like a pause button. Exactly. <laughs> and it will be re-offered to a future generation. Really cool to see how God works that. But here, they are to only go to the house of Israel to offer the messianic kingdom. And they are to, uh, you know, if they're rejected, they're to shake the dust off their feet and move on. Go somewhere else. Just don't worry about it. Essentially, he's telling them in that moment that they're to be, they're, they are to treat the people that reject the kingdom as if they were a Gentile. Okay, so what's next? Um, next, I break down 16 through 25. Um, Jesus, after commissioning the disciples, warns them of coming persecution. Um, as Jesus himself faced persecution, so too will the disciples face persecution. Um, but Jesus is assuring them that the, the Holy Spirit will guide them through that in, in their time of need. Again, this is a promise to the disciples specifically. Yes, we can see that God leaves us with the same spirit when we're under persecution, but specifically for the disciples, the spirit will guide and lead them. Well, from so verse 16 where it says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be wise as serpents yep. and harmless as doves. So again, I know directly to the disciples, but... For application for us, I find it very comforting that, you know, he knows it's going to be difficult. Yep. He's saying, go do this. It's going to be hard. But he also, um, Jesus also gives them advice and where he says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Yeah. Um, so he's not just sending them out. He's saying this, it's going to be hard and this is what you need to do. Right. So I thought that was um, an interesting little tidbit of stuff. And again... I know it's for directly them, but we can still use this for us as well. Right. So. And then verse uh, 22, <laughs> when he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That enduring to the end is a, a interesting phrase. Which verse? Verse 22. The one who endures to the end. That enduring to the end is not, he's not referring to the end as in, like the end of the tribulation or the end of the end, like the end of the world. He's What he's referring to is enduring through the trial without breaking down. So when you are under persecution, if you endure through that trial, through that persecution, you will be saved from it. You'll be saved from that trial, that persecution. Essentially, he's, he's trying to encourage the disciples that when you face persecution endure it you're going to face persecution and again that applying to us today we are going to face persecution 
So when that happens, endure to the end and you will see the reward, that being the Messiah, even if that endurance leads to your demise. Right? We have two books of martyrs back here. I've got Jesus Freaks and Fox's Book of Martyrs, and these are all stories of people that have endured to the end. That's what he's referring to in that section there. And then just to going, showing how far these people will go when they're persecuting you, verse 25, if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Right, Beelzebub referring to uh, the guardian deity of the Ekronites in Second Kings. Uh, here it means the lord of the flies. Um, and it's a common word used to refer to Satan. So if the if they are already calling Jesus an agent of Satan, how much worse are they going to persecute you? That puts us at verse what? Um, 26 through 33. <clears throat> um, Jesus is telling them not to fear them. Don't fear those who can kill the body, right? Because, again... That persecution may lead to death. Don't fear them. Fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell, being God. Yeah, I think it's comforting to know that the Lord is in control of both your body and your soul. It is very comforting to know that. Yep. Um, Satan and the world can only destroy us physically and destroy our physical bodies. They can't destroy our spiritual state, which is great. I also, so verse 31, or are we not? Are we done? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, verse 31 says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Oh, sorry, 31. Do not fear, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. I just love this verse um, because I think when we get afraid, we start to doubt that we're important to God. Yeah. And he's just showing you know, he shows us, he assures us that um, we don't need to be afraid and that we are valued by God. Right. So, again, I know I'm applying it to us, but... It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? Um, then I go down into 34 through 39 and how Jesus, essentially, he's, he's not come to bring peace but a sword. What he's saying here is that the message of Jesus is going to divide households, especially in the Jewish and Eastern context. You see this in the Jewish religions and the Muslim religions and, uh, and even in a lot of um, pseudo-Christian or false Christian religions where if someone comes to the true knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, they are ostracized from their family, cast out of their communities. Uh, sometimes they're even killed or murdered because of that faith that they now have in Jesus Christ. And uh, again, Jesus, going back to what he said in the previous section, especially specifically verse 28, um, do not fear those who can kill the body. Fear him who can kill the body and soul. That's really like the key verse to this entire chapter. Yeah. Uh, so do you have anything else for chapter 10? Yes. So verse 38, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, uh, Jesus is starting to allude to his death. 
he's going to start building up on that more and more as we get through the chapter through the book uh, he will elude he'll even start speaking plainly about his death burial and resurrection which I think he you know he doesn't have to do that either and I think that he's there's this preparation that he's giving his disciples which yeah is nice because I mean they still don't see it obviously they don't even see no it they don't even see towards it until, the end really until um, after Pentecost yeah when they actually realize what's what happened right but it's nice though you can see that I feel like sometimes I bet the Lord prepares us in a lot of ways that we just like don't even yeah, realize. <laughs> and then later we're like, yep. oh, that's what that was for. <laughs> um, but I like that because, you know, Jesus loves the disciples and he's trying to give them as much preparedness, you know, beforehand. Yep. Even if they don't realize it. Right. So... And then 40 through 42, we have, you know, Jesus mentioning that receiving him is akin to receiving the Lord himself. Again, Jesus claimed, proclaiming his deity here, that he is God in the flesh, which is a, an aspect of his nature that I don't think we will ever fully comprehend. But just to know that Jesus is God, and God is God. It's part of the Trinity. I think it's, that's a hard concept. For a lot of people, and then uh, verses forty-one is a little little awkward. How Jesus differentiates between a prophet and a righteous person uh, for receiving a prophet, it's there's a the possibility of receiving a false prophet as well, which is why you get the prophet's reward, which is not as good as a righteous person's reward. A righteous person is someone who follows the word of the Lord. And if you follow the word of the Lord, it will lead you to a faith in Jesus Christ. Whereas a prophet, you could get a false prophet that could say anything or do anything. It's just a, an interesting contrast here. And then wrapping it up, Jesus calling his disciples little ones. Um, that is who he's referring to here. In verse 42, whoever gives one of these little ones, um, he's talking about his disciples. It's a very common like term of endearment, what I would say to my friends because they're all shorter than me, my little ones. Oh my. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, it, it really does, it just, it doesn't refer to people who are little in stature. It's just like a term of endearment. Yeah. That's what I have for chapter 10. Alrighty. So then we'll see you guys in the next one. All right. Tomorrow for chapter 11. Start reading.